time, but it's like a ladder, you know what I mean? But it's a ladder that has ice on it and gravel and, you know, all sorts of things trying to knock you back down a rung, you know what I mean? And it's also a ladder where there's things coming up underneath you constantly because the, the draft never stops. There's always another, you know, 30 guys that are coming in the next year, you know what I mean? So it's constantly going up. And once you get to the top, it's also a pyramid. There's only so many stops. If I didn't have the support from my family, especially my wife, I mean, if my wife didn't um, work as hard as she does, and she has three degrees, she's incredible, but she's our breadwinner, you know what I mean? And as a man, that's a little bit different pill to swallow, you know what I mean? Because you always look at yourself as you're going to be the man, you're going to support, you're going to you know, financially lead your house. My wife has really stepped up, so she's made the baseball um, possible because of how much she does. But it is a balance, you know what I mean? And it is a pull to know that I'm leaving and she's not going to be with me every day when I go to play. Um, same thing with, you know, we just had another another daughter um, last year at the end of August, and it's the same thing. You know, I, I missed a lot of Adeline's early years, you know, half a year, you know, each year. Um, I missed a lot of things, and it's, it's tough. But I know that I was working to change our lives forever, you know what I mean? If you do get that, you know, to the big leagues and, you know, you get there, you're changing everything. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Beyond the Slash Line. I'm Tim Hyman. For those of you that are just discovering this podcast, here's how it works. In every episode, we speak to one minor league baseball player. We don't discuss on-field matters. What we're focused on is their lives away from the field. What we're looking to do is get a better idea of where they came from and what is going on in their lives, both on the professional side and on the personal side. In this episode, we chat with Kyle Johnson. He's currently an outfielder in the New York Mets organization, but there's more going on in his life than just that. He's a husband. He's also a father of two. And in addition to all of those duties, he is the CEO of BigLeagueLocker.com, an e-commerce website. We discuss all of that in this episode. Enjoy. All right, so we welcome you back to the Beyond the Slash Line podcast, episode number two, since episode one went so well. And this episode, we're happy to be joined by a current outfielder in the New York Mets organization, Kyle Johnson. Kyle, you are somewhere in the Pacific Northwest. We really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, no problem. I want to give you a chance in, in this whole podcast, the idea is to give guys a chance to share their backstory. So we'll start from the very beginning. Um, your biographical information everywhere it has uh, you kind of sprinkled around the northwest born in portland oregon uh, raised in idaho college in washington can you paint a picture of what you know the the, the initial maybe 20 years of, of life was like before you joined the pro ball ranks yeah yeah so i i did i, I grew up out of portland oregon in uh, loa um i was there um all through little league until uh, so I was about 13, and then we made the uh, transition over to Idaho. Um, so I believe I was in sixth or seventh grade when I, I made the move. Um, and then I spent, yeah, the rest of, you know, middle school, high school in Idaho, in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Beautiful. If you've never been there, um, it is incredible. It's I've, I've been fortunate enough to play almost everywhere across the continental U.S. now, and there's no, no place like Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Um, and then, yeah, from there I went and played 
four years at Washington State, um, played baseball there. I graduated from Washington State with a degree in economics and business. And then uh, from there, I was drafted by the Angels. Uh, played my first short season with them in Orem, Utah. Went to spring training with them. Uh, broke camp in Loe uh, halfway through the season. Pretty much a, a year today um, from the time I got drafted, I was traded to the Mets. And then that's when I made my journey over to uh, to the Mets. Started with uh, Loe there, high A, double A. Been working my way up. And yeah, that's kind of my, my backstory. A home life. Where did athletics rank in your family? Did you come from an athletic family? Oh, boy. I did not come from an athletic family, um, as far as my parents are concerned. My older brother is probably who I can attribute a lot of my baseball or sport in general savviness to. Um, I was three years younger than my, my older brother, and I grew up wanting to do everything he did. So I was following him and his friends around, trying to tag along, trying to hang out, trying to be a part of them, and he was really big in the sports. So I think that's where my kind of uh, entry in the sports really started was with my older brother. So in terms of your, your parents didn't shepherd you into sports, then it was more just following along with your brother, his lead? Yeah, yep, my brother's lead. You know, when I was, when I was you know, two, three, four, he started playing soccer and, and basketball and all those different sports, and I was too young to play. And so I was just biting at the bit, getting ready to play, getting ready to play, and then when I finally hit that age, um, it was me really pushing my parents that, you know, I want to do this. I want to do that. And I'm very fortunate because, you know, once we got into in the sports when I was younger, then my parents allowed me to continue to do it, you know, and they were extremely supportive and, and they ended up, you know, loving sports just as much as I did. So, you know, you make friends, you make relationships and they're it's super, super important. So, Kyle, so many guys that make it to the pro ranks, you look at those high school numbers or those high school stats in there gaudy where they were just the dominant player in their league in, in the <laughs> conference was that the case when you were in high school or were you were you kind of taking to baseball almost immediately you know that's so funny you say that uh no absolutely not uh we fast forward you know i was i was good at sports don't get me wrong you know i was i was a good baseball player when i was younger i was athletic you know i mean i was fast um i was good at sports but i wouldn't say i was the best player on my team if we look just strictly at baseball um in, on my high school team, I, I couldn't say with all honesty that I was the best player on that team. Um, we had a shortstop that was incredible. His name was Trent Bridges. He was awesome. Um, we had two twins uh, that were the combo twins. They were really good pitchers. I mean, I, I had my role on the team, but the team wasn't built around me by any stretch. You know what I mean? I was the leadoff hitter, and I played center field, and that was about it. You know, we had other guys that, that were better at that time than I was. Um, I wasn't even thinking about playing college ball when I was a freshman or sophomore in high school. I was thinking about football because I was fast. Um, that was where my mind was kind of going. And then all of a sudden my junior year, I'm playing in the spring and Washington State comes to a game and all of a sudden I get a scholarship and I really didn't know what it meant. I had no idea. It wasn't even on my radar. So it's kind of interesting. What jumped out to Washington State that they would that they would give you uh, that scholarship offer? Was it on the spot or was it almost quickly after that, that game where they saw you? It was, it was pretty on the spot. I mean, it was, uh, they, they, they came to a game and uh, I, I saw them there. They were in the big Washington State coat and it was pretty hard to miss them. And uh, after the game, you know, honestly, I got a text message from the head coach and he asked what my GPA was, my SAT scores. And I was, I was good academically. And they said, hey, give us a call. We want to offer you a scholarship. It was that quick. Um, and I was just kind of like, wow, this is, this is how this all happens. Cause I think every kid that grows up playing sports is like, Ooh, I want to get a scholarship to go, you know what I mean? To go play. And I was just really, really fortunate that the stars aligned and it came together and, and it, it happened. So 
very interesting. Did you have any other considerations even after they offered you that scholarship to go I, elsewhere I to did. test the waters? I did. I did. That's kind of when it, it started. I mean, that's kind of when I went, huh, you know, maybe I should look at playing baseball after, <laughs> after high school. And so I kind of started put you know, feelers out. And I, I really, at the end of it, it came down to Stanford and Washington State or the two schools, you know, Washington state was about an hour and a half South of where I live, where I grew up in Coeur d'Alene. So that played a role in it. And, you know, Stanford's this big prestigious school that, you know, you get an incredible degree. Um, and I, I ended up going with Washington state probably because I'm, you know, from a small town and I wanted to be semi close to home. You know, Pullman was cool where Washington state is where I'm far enough away where I'm away, but I was close enough that if I wanted to go home, I could. So that played into my decision and I have no regrets, no regrets about the decision I made. I'm very happy with Washington state. Um, I still feel, you know, that's my family. We go back to games. That's where I met my wife. So, I mean, obviously it was perfect. Um, but we go back to Washington state football games all the time when we can catch the early games before spring training. We'll go back in the spring to catch some baseball games. So we're still very connected to our, our school. So sort of a quick transition from not even thinking about college ball to then playing college ball and with four years yeah. at Washington State, where is the evolution of, you know, having the feeling that I can turn this into a career? Um, you know, I think I think once I got the scholarship offer um, to Washington State my junior year of high school um, is when I kind of started thinking about baseball as a career. Because once you kind of get a scholarship offer, then you get put on the, I guess, radar of pro scouts. And so I had pro scouts then talking to me through my senior year, which was kind of different. You know, I already had the school I was going to, so that was set in stone. I didn't have to worry about recruiting from that end. It was more of the pro side. So not going in the draft out of high school and then going to play at Washington State, every year, you know, I was, I was trying to work because I knew I wanted to get drafted. I knew I wanted to play professional baseball. But early in my career, it didn't look very likely. You know what I mean? I, I, I got 11 at-bats as a freshman at Washington State. I hit 455. Uh, five four eleven, but I only got eleven at bat. Um, and then my sophomore year, I I, uh, I believe I got a concussion halfway through the season. I missed a big chunk of the season, and so going into my junior year, I was like, man, you know, it's not really looking very likely I'm going to play after college. Um, I really need to focus on my degree, you know. So I I went into you know business and economics, and I really focused on my degree and kind of started to plan for life after baseball. Um, fast forward to my senior year. Um, I, I knew I had a very outside chance to get drafted. I think I talked to two teams. Um, the Giants and the Angels were the only teams. And the Angels didn't talk to me until the last week of my college season. So you're talking that you know, the middle of May and the drafts in three weeks. You know what I mean? So I had already talked to Northwestern Mutual, which was a financial company that I was, you know, going to do an internship after school and I had that all lined up and I I knew what I was gonna do after you know, once school, once I graduated. And then the draft just kind of happened. You know, I watched the draft. I was hopeful, but I, I didn't put all my eggs in that basket by any means. And then it just ended up kind of happening. So after that becomes official, they make you that 25th round pick in, in, uh, out, of, out of Washington State back in 2012. Yep. Mm-hmm. Is it a whirlwind after that? I mean, is it an easy decision to sign the paper despite having, you know, things lined up, I guess you could say, in the real world? Yeah, yeah. At, at that time, it was an easy decision, you know, and that's where my wife has played a pivotal role in my success in baseball professionally is she has been my biggest advocate. I mean, from day one of getting drafted, she was so excited, like, yes, we're doing this. Yes, we're going to experience this. You know what I mean? We decided that we were going to spend that first full season together and she was going to come with me and she was going to experience it too. So we really, really tied on the baseball and just said, we are going for this. You know what I mean? And 
very naively going for it because I didn't know when I got drafted how many levels there really were in minor league baseball. I didn't know how many steps there were to take, you know, how many other guys would be in systems, you know, what the business side of baseball was, you know what I mean? I didn't know any of that. I was very naive. I was just going to play. And in my mind, I was going to be in the big leagues. That was, that was my goal. Um, and then after I would say, you know, once I, I went to Orem, you know, that first short season, I really saw, I got my first taste of pro ball. I realized how big it was and kind of what it meant to be a 25th round senior sign out of Washington state. You know what I mean? That's not a very, very highly touted prospect in the eyes of an organization. Right. So I knew every step of the way I was going to have to prove myself day in and day out, because if I gave them one opportunity to say, all right, you're not quite up to snub of what we want. We're going to let you go. That's an easy decision for them. So I needed to make it a really hard decision. And so that's what we set out to do is every year proving people wrong, you know, surprising the scouts, surprising the front office, you know, having, you know, the guy that found me, the scout be like, man, you know, you're turning some heads, keep doing what you're doing. Um, And then, you know, you fast forward to when I got traded to the Mets, that's when I kind of got to get rid of that 25th round stigma, if you will, the 777th pick in the draft. You know, now I was traded to the Mets for a big leaguer and my whole kind of, um, I don't know if you want to call it status, um, changed very, very much. This podcast really focuses on not only the rigors of playing baseball in that career, but balancing everything else involved with your lives. And one of the biggest, if not the biggest, is the fact that uh, you have a seven-year-old daughter born in October 2009. How much and how difficult has it been to, to find that balance where you've got to look out for yourself, but in doing so, looking out for yourself helps provide for your family, and you've had you've had Adeline yep. with you since 2009? Yeah. Um, you know, it, it had me grow up quick, you know what I mean? And it had me realize that this is a family endeavor, that if I was going to do this, I needed to have the support of my family. And my wife has been incredible in that, like I mentioned before. And then, you know, my daughter too. And as she's gotten older, I mean, now she's in school. She loves telling people that her daddy plays baseball. You know what I mean? And I wouldn't trade that for the world. It puts a smile on, on my face every time I hear it, but it is a balance. You know what I mean? And it is a pull to know that I'm leaving and she's not going to be with me every day when I go to play. Um, same thing with, you know, we just had another, another daughter, um, last year at the end of August and it's the same thing. You know, I, I missed a lot of Adeline's early years, you know, half a year, you know, each year, um, I missed a lot of things and it's, it's tough, but I know that I was working to change our lives forever. You know what I mean? If you do get that, you know, to the big leagues and, you know, you get there, you're changing everything, you know? So that's always kind of been my focus um, with her. And I've been very open with her about my, you know, why I'm doing this because I want her to follow her dreams. I want her to do anything she wants to do in life. And if she has a passion to follow it with everything she has. So that's been really important to me. And is that a, is that a a difficult concept for a seven-year-old to grasp? It was earlier. She's getting better at it now, but when she was three, four and five and daddy was leaving, um, that's tough. That's very, very tough. Um, and a lot of FaceTime, a lot of, you know, video chatting, phone calls, postcards from wherever I'm at, um, you know, trying to stay as connected as we can, knowing that I'm not there every day. Very tough. And, and it seems like you have such a, an ability to prepare for life after baseball, whenever that is. If it's 20 years, if it's, mm-hmm. if it's two years with focusing on the degree, you've got uh, a company yep. that you run that we can, we'll dive into a little bit later. Mm-hmm. When you look at your career and, and the chase for the big leagues, 
is it an extra motivator knowing that you've got you know, your, your family uh, uh, in your corner and, and relying upon you yeah. to, to go that next step? And then also knowing that, yep. okay, I've got a pretty good safety net in case this baseball career doesn't mm-hmm. pan out. Like, where are your emotions when you mix those, those three together? Oh, man, it's, it's tough. Um, and it's gotten more dialed lately. You know what I mean? I, I don't want to say I gave myself outs, but I gave myself um, a security net like you're talking about. You know, um, they are the motivation to get to the big leagues. You know, I'm pretty internally motivated, but you stack on daughters and wives you're even more motivated because you want to do it for them as much as you want to do it for yourself. Um, having said that, the whole idea of getting to the big leagues and going on this, this road, this roller coaster gets more real where I need to make decisions for all of us, not just myself. If I was, you know, a bachelor by myself, 27 years old, um, no other ties or responsibilities, you know, continue to go, you know, to go until somebody tells you, no, you can't. But for me, I need to be a little bit more responsible than that. You know what I mean? I need to, I need to make sure that I'm taking care of my girls um, as best I can. So I need to make sure I'm making smart decisions. And if it's not baseball, making sure that I'm paving the way for our future outside of baseball. How difficult is it to, to set up those long-term plans with not only mm-hmm. your family, but also with your career with so much up in the air when it comes to a baseball career? Yeah. Yeah. So much is unknown. Um, the thing that I, baseball's taught me and I've gotten really good at is being in the moment. Um, and so when I'm on the baseball field, I'm on the baseball field and I am so focused on attacking that pitch, catching that fly ball, winning this game. You know what I mean? When I'm in the off season and I sit down at my desk and I'm focused on, you know, the company that we started, that's my focus. I'm focused on accounting and marketing and how do we get this thing out here and how do I grow it? Where's this, where's this going? When I'm home with my, my wife and my daughters, that's where my focus is. I'm not checking emails. I'm not looking over, you know, my at-bats from the last year. You know what I mean? I'm in that moment with them, and that has really helped me, staying in those moments. And, you know, you, you can call it segmenting your life or, you know, there's tons of different phrases you can use, compartmentalizing. Um, but where, whatever I'm doing in that moment, that's what I'm doing. And that's where my focus is. So when I'm sitting down for Big League Locker, I'm looking at where are we going. When I'm sitting down in, or when I'm standing up and playing baseball, this is where I'm going. So I've, I've gotten really good at that. Is it difficult to make that transition to go from straight ball player to father and husband and then eventually switching yes. to CEO? It is. It is. And that's why, you know, I kind of gave myself a month buffer. You know, I kind of talked about that. And that's what's good about spring training, too. Um, but when I got home, you know, I really... I did work on Big League Locker, but not as much. I really focused on my family and just kind of being home and getting settled. When I go back to baseball, you know, spring training is really good at that. You're getting back into it. You're getting back into your routine and being with the guys and being away from your family. So there's there's really good kind of segues into each one. Um, and so that that has definitely helped. And um, getting back to segmenting my life, I mean, when I'm working in the mornings on Big League Locker, that's what I'm doing. Then I have my two-hour workout strictly baseball, you know what I mean? That's what I'm doing. Then I go and pick up my girls from school and that's what I'm doing. That's, you know, kind of my, my, my daily plan. And I stick to my routine very, very rigidly. You know what I mean? I map it out. This is what today's going to look like. This is what we're doing. You know, I, I want to talk a little bit about making it work financially. I think in recent years, uh, there's been more of a focus on minor league salaries and, and how you guys are being yep. compensated for all that goes into it from your spring training work to all your work that goes unpaid, whether it be Arizona Fall League or maybe Instructional League, you know, from your vantage mm-hmm. point and your experience in Pro Bowl, how difficult has it been to make it work financially? 
Oh, incredibly difficult. If I didn't have the support from my family, especially my wife, I mean, if my wife didn't um, work as hard as she does and she has three degrees, she's incredible, but she's our breadwinner. You know what I mean? And as a man, that's a little bit different pill to swallow. You know what I mean? Cause you always look at yourself as you're going to be the man you're going to support. You're going to, you know, financially lead your house. My wife has really stepped up. So she's made the baseball, um, possible because of how much she does. Um, but you look at minor league salaries, it's, um, to sleep bluntly, it's just, it's not close. You know what I mean? It's hard, um, to get to AAA, which is where I spent parts of the last two seasons. It is a year round job. You know what I mean? I can't come home, work a full-time job and not train all off season. Otherwise I'll show up to spring training and I'll get cut. You know what I mean? Same thing would have happened, you know, the first year I played the first spring training. If I w- wasn't putting in the effort that off season, I would have been cut right away because you can tell, you know what I mean? Baseball is not a job. You can just step on the field and you're naturally good at it. It's something you have to practice. And I've now practiced, you know, for 22 years, basically year round, you know what I mean? And I'm still practicing, still trying to get better, still learning every single day. I mean, that's something that can't be understated. I mean, when we get to spring training, we're expected to be in shape. We're expected to have our swings, you know, pretty well mechanically there. They give you space for rhythm and timing because obviously you can't see a lot of live pitching in the off season, but you need to be ready. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, it's not like the old days where spring training was, uh, okay, get off the brick plant and come back and play. You know, you get a month to get ready. It's, you, need to, you need to show what you got in spring training. So often they talk about minor league baseball being a couple of things. A grind, it's the, the G word mm-hmm. everyone uses, and almost a war <laughs> of attrition where eventually yep. more guys just get weeded out. What, what would you consider the yep. most frustrating aspect of climbing the minor league ladder? Hmm. Boy. Um, I would say the, uh, one, the uncertainty, um, and two, just the things that are out of your control. You know what I mean? I mean, you look at a guy like TJ Rivera, who I I could say hands down is one of the best minor league players I've ever seen. You know what I mean? He's done it now for six years, year in, year out, undrafted free agent, didn't get any money. You know what I mean? And he had just had to grind step by step by step to get there. You know what I mean? Um, I look at a guy like that and that is, that is so hard and it's so tough to watch knowing that he has the skills to be there, but one, he didn't get the opportunity or two, like the pieces just haven't fallen his way. You know, baseball is more than just hitting 320 and hitting 10 homers a year. There needs, there's always somebody in front of you when you're in the minor leagues. So you need something to happen. And, and me personally, I never wish ill on anybody. I don't want anybody to get hurt. I don't want anybody to go down, but it is, it's a cutthroat game. You've got to beat out the guy in front of you. You've got to beat out the guy in front of that. And then you've got to beat out the guy that's in the big leagues right now. And a lot of that is out of your control. Are they going to trade somebody in the big leagues? You know what I mean? Is there going to be something else that happens that it frees up a spot? You have no control of that. So all you can do is focus on what you're doing, do it day in and day out, and hope that things fall the right way and that you get lucky a little bit. You know what I mean? You've got to, have, you've got to be fortunate. You've got to get that opportunity. And then once you get it, you've got to grab it. And you've got to show that, hey, I'm here, I earned this, and I can stay here. When we had Jace Boyd on for the first episode of this podcast, he compared being a pro ball player to being in a zoo where people can take pictures. <laughs> They're basically watching your every move. And he said you, they can bang on the glass. What would you compare it to? Mm-hmm. Gosh, I think Jace explained it very, very well. Um, you know, I, I'm trying to think of a, another word I could use. Um, I mean, you hear it all the time, but it's like a ladder. You know what I mean? But it's a ladder that has ice on it and gravel and, you know, all sorts of things trying to knock you back down around. You know what I mean? And it's also a ladder where there's things coming up underneath you constantly because the, the draft never stops. There's always another 
you know, 30 guys that are coming in the next year. You know what I mean? So it's constantly going up. And once you get to the top, it's also a pyramid. There's only so many spots. So it's, gosh, I don't even have a good word. I think zoo is good, but there's a, you know, there's that hierarchy or pyramid or ladder, you know, that upward motion you got to maintain. Because once you get stagnant in it, it doesn't stop, you know? It's still pushing from the top and pushing from the bottom. When your entry-level contract is up and you, you maybe have the opportunity to sign them, if, if you don't make the big leagues by then, a minor league deal, would mm-hmm. you take that chance? Yeah, you know, uh, the, the cool thing about the minor league free agent deals is it gives you an opportunity to make a little bit more money. Um, you know, when you're in your initial contracts, um, you, you don't make a lot. And I'm not trying to put it in a dollar and cents, but when you have a family, you have a wife, you have kids, you need to know how you're going to support them. So I think every minor leaguer that's working their way up knows when they become a minor league free agent and when they can actually make a little bit of money each month playing baseball. Um, I think that's in the back of their minds. Um, obviously, to do that quicker, get to the big league. You know what I mean? But um, if that doesn't end up working out in the six years that you have to get there, then you definitely look at those minor league deals. Um, but they're not always, you know, you want to be in the right organization, the right fit. You know, you look at somebody like Ty Kelly who uh, he signed minor league free agent with the Mets this year, and it was the perfect fit for him. He fit right in. He got up to the big leagues, you know, and he performed well everywhere he was. So it's, it's, it takes the right fit, the right person, the right organization. Um, there's a lot of factors that go into it. You are the CEO of Big League Locker. You created it yourself, and it's, it's expanding now. Website off and rolling. Uh, how have things been yep. going, and what has that done to your psyche, knowing that Regardless of how things go on the field, I, I do have a plan post-baseball. Um, it's been really good. You know, I've really enjoyed this offseason. We're finally at a point with Big League Locker where now it's about, you know, expanding our reach, which is a lot of fun. We have a lot of the, the framework in place. You know, now we're adding more products and we're trying to add more users and we're trying to get our name out there and market, which I really enjoy. That's a lot of fun. Um, that's the fun side of business. You know what I mean? Um, so I'm, I'm enjoying it. Um, I always knew, you know, I'm a baseball guy. I've grown up playing baseball. Baseball's been my career the last five years. I want to stay around baseball. I love working with kids when I'm home. I love running camps. I love coaching. I'm going to be around it in some facet, one, or, one way or another. And this is a really good segue that, that you know, has my, my business um, side of me, you know, that I got at Washington State, my academic side, and also the baseball passion and kind of fuses those two together. So, I mean, yeah, I'm working, but it's still fun. And yes, there's stressful days. And yes, it's hard. And yes, you know what I mean? Starting any small business or new business is, is difficult. And those are challenges, but the challenges I enjoy. Very similar to the minor league system. You know what I mean? I enjoy doing that. It's challenging. It's tough. It's hard. But I enjoy it because I'm, I'm, I'm getting to do my job, which is to play baseball. The concept of this podcast comes from you know, looking at how often you guys are graded simply on stats and stats alone, but you know, the idea was yeah. that the, you guys have a backstory. You, you, there's 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 more you bring to the table than just a batting average and on base percentage and a slugging percentage. <laughs> so I I'll leave it with this, and I'll leave you with the final word. I know you have to go. You got to pick up your lovely daughter from school. Um, if I you want daddy daughter date today. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Yeah. If there was one thing you would want the general public, you know, the baseball fans, to know about life as a minor league player what would that be mm-hmm. um that it's not easy you know i think that there's this illusion um that you're a professional baseball player and you make millions of dollars and you have all these things at your fingertips and these resources and, and we do have resources and we do have you know people to help us but there's this this image or persona of what people think minor league baseball is or professional baseball in general and it's very very different in real life than what the perception is 
um, and that we are people and that we do want to make it to the big league, but we do make mistakes and we're not perfect. And when you're watching these minor league games, um, to really appreciate what's going on out there. It's kind of like watching college football compared to pro football or, or college basketball to pro basketball. You know what I mean? They are fighting every day to try to get that opportunity. Even though we're quote-unquote professionals, we are fighting every single day to get that big league opportunity. Every single day. It doesn't stop. So that, that's what I would say. It's just to, to try to understand a little bit more where we're coming from and that it is hard. It is so hard. Kyle, I really appreciate the candor and uh... – I think you've shed some more light on, on what it's like to be in your situation. Thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate your time, Tim, and uh, I look forward to uh, the future podcast. Our gratitude goes to Kyle Johnson for taking the time to share his story. Beyond the Slash Line is produced and hosted by me, Tim Hyman. Our graphics were created by the very talented Mike Passanisi. Music for this podcast comes from Ben Sound. If you're looking for royalty-free music, visit bensound.com. He has a full collection to pick from. Follow me on Twitter at Tim Hyman. That's H-E-I-M-A-N. And follow the podcast at Beyond the S-L. This podcast and all of its episodes are available on iTunes. Thanks for listening. This has been Beyond the Slash Line.